Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Hello! Salut! That's not a hello greeting, but whatever! Or blah, 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 or however else you say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad, coming to you from the cave with a freshly cut haircut, and I am joined by, of course, my good buddy, the co-host with the mostest, we call him Big Baby Daddy Diesel! Guten Tag, Dadalak. I'm joining you from Diesel's delightful dungeon, no, dapper dungeon of delight. And yeah, uh, this weekend was interesting. You want to hear about that uh, ghost uh, story festival that I went to? Yeah. It sucked. There was no ghost stories. Like, it was, it sucked. I don't know what was going on. And there was like, re like, so for okay, I guess there was one ghost story. The first lady came up and basically said her daughter was a ghost magnet and told like some of her experiences with her daughter. So I, mean, I guess that technically counts as a ghost story. The second one was this like one woman show about this woman like haunting this house and waiting for her love to come back and like all this stuff. And she promised that she would never leave until he came back and she waited forever dumb and the third one was this guy reading out of this book about this irish lore which usually irish lores are kind of cool but like this one was like so totally predictable like right from the get-go of like right when they got into like the guts of the story it's like i already know what's gonna happen and so i was like pretty much like ready to go home but then they had an hour-long play after that that was supposed to be because it was on the lawn of the dodge county historical society museum and so it was a play written for the museum with like people that are like in the museum and they're like their ghosts and stuff like that. And the plot of the play had really nothing to do with the museum itself. And it was the stupidest thing ever. Like it was about this guy trying to talk to his daughter, but he's a ghost and like, it would just, and they had this stupid woman play a dog and it was just a stupid, it was so annoying. Like I was I was so pissed. Worst hour and a half ever. At least I had pancakes for dinner because we stopped at the Apple Tree Diner in Columbus because it's it's awesome. And I really wanted pancakes. And at least that was a good part of my night. But yeah, that that ghost story like festival was not as advertised. Wow. I I I don't even know what to say to that. That sounds like a really uh unfun time. Sorry for at you. At least it was free and it was a perfect night. Like there were positives to it. Like at least it wasn't raining. At least it wasn't super hot and humid. At least it wasn't really buggy. It was like a nice, like 65 degree night. And yeah, like it was perfect out. So, I mean, there are positives to it. Just the whole thing, like the festival in general, was just kind of not as advertised, as I said, kind of was a bummer. At least it was free. Cause I didn't yeah. pay money for it. 
Saturday night was better though when I went to see AJR. I mean, but I'm not really going to go deep into that. I just had a really good time. It was a good concert. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, I mean, what I did is we took Cooper to trivia last week, as I talked about, and it went great. She didn't get any questions right, though. So technically, we're going to give her a pass because you have to get a question right or you're voted off the island. But we said it was her first time, so she didn't have to get a question right this time. But next time she goes, if she doesn't get one right, she's off the island. It's the way it is. I'm sure she'll get one. You just got to... Just got to preload the deck. Yeah, just got to tear up, if you will. Yep, there you go. And uh, then yesterday we took her uh, to the Mexican restaurant that's right down the road from us and sat on the patio with her. She also did great the second time we've taken her there because she really seems to enjoy uh, the Spanish music they play. Like, I don't know if it's the beats or like the like merengue guitar or whatever it is, but she like grooves. She gets real into it. So Benji, when we take him to restaurants, he's a people watcher. He likes going to restaurants. He likes going to the store. He likes going anywhere because he just sits there and he stares at people and he studies people. He's going to be so much smarter than me. And that's a, it's a positive thing because he is just like, he studies everything. And yeah, like, so he's entertained by everything too. So he'll sit on our lap while we're eating. He'll just be watching the people at the booth next to us. And then he'll look over at another booth and like he, and then he'll like, like babble and stuff like that. He's, he's great to take out to like restaurants and stuff like that. So we definitely have lucked out with that little guy. Yeah. Knock on wood. Cooper's also been great to take out to places and is quite chill and also just enjoys staring at people. And also just hanging out with anyone that we uh, leave her with because she's just cool like that. But all right, that's enough parental talk for this episode because clearly probably none of you give a fuck. But maybe you do, and now you know. Let's get into the first segment, though. That means it's time for the news. And Diesel's got our only news story this week. So what you got, Diesel? Well, it's our only non-wrestling news story this week. Because, I mean, wrestling news is pretty much the topic of this show. But I did come across this article. And it was entitled, Family Pet Lost for 30 Years, Found in Attic, dot, 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 Alive. So, like, you see that title, it's like, well, I got to read this fucking article, right? So, basically, what happened was uh, they were rummaging around their attic. Uh, I don't know if they were getting ready to move or, like, just cleaning it out or whatever. This happened in Rio de Janeiro. And the family was up there, up in their attic, and they found their missing tortoise from 30 years ago. And... It's crazy because the tortoise, he lived on like termite larva, which was his protein and his basically his water source for 30 years. And like, what would your reaction be if you're up in your attic and like all of a sudden you find your turtle after 30 fucking or tortoise, sorry, two different things, after 30 years and be like, what the fuck? And it's still alive. I probably have a heart attack. Like it's a ghost. Well, let's say my first thought is, oh, God, my tortoise is haunting me because I lost you 30 years ago. And then my second thought is after I realize he's alive and what he's been doing this whole time, I realize he's probably saved my house. 
Without this tortoise lost in my attic, the termites would have consumed my entire home. That's crazy because I know like tortoises can live for like 120 years or whatever it is, maybe longer than that. I don't even know the exact number, but like for it to just be living in that attic on termite larvae is that's incredible. That's that's an incredible species. If you think about it, like it's that's insane. I I didn't realize I've how do they not hear it? Like, I mean, I know tortoises don't move a lot, but it couldn't have been that small. Like, you would have had to have heard thumping in your attic at some point, well, right? I mean, have you ever been to Rio de Janeiro? I'm assuming uh, no. there's a lot of coke going on there. So, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a lot of coffee drinking, too. This is South America, so I'm, Man, I don't you'd know. you think they'd be jacked up and, like, their attic would always be clean then. So, you would know Maybe. your tortoise is there. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that is a really good question. But I mean, also tortoises are really slow. So it's not like it'd be like another animal where you hear scurry across or anything like that. Like, I won't even think it would be like fast enough or powerful enough to like knock over a box unless the box was like barely on the edge of something. So I don't know. So I mean, tortoises are kind of uh, the ninjas of the reptile world, if you think about it. Like they can sneak up on you. Okay, here's the real question that I just thought of as we were talking about this. They said they lost the tortoise 30 years ago. How do you lose a tortoise in the attic? Yeah, why do you have the either. Yeah, why do you have the tortoise in the attic? Yeah, it's like tortoises can be able to climb stairs, I wouldn't imagine. Well, yeah, like and I was you know, I was thinking like for an attic, like it would probably like a pull-down ladder. Like, and I know tortoises can't climb ladders. All right. That they, they're, they're very incredible animals, but there's no way in hell a tortoise can climb a ladder, right? The only thing I can imagine is a really old house and they have like a dumb waiter. And in the attic was like where the like servants lived or something like that. And somehow it got in the dumb waiter and some kids were playing with it. I don't know. That's the only explanation that I can conceive besides someone actually putting it there. That's what I'm saying. Like, was this tortoise actually lost or did some family member go, fuck you, tortoise. I don't want you anymore and I'll put you in the attic. I mean, that is a great question. We should like hire a PI and get on top of this because I need answers now. Like, there is so much like crazy about this story. Like, Like, seriously, did a little kid like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, like to climb a ladder carrying a tortoise and then to leave it up there, how would you forget that you put the tortoise in the attic? Like, the losing of this tortoise doesn't make any logical sense, okay? Like, you could lose a cat in the attic because a cat could climb a ladder really quick because cats are crazy. Like, or, you know, I don't know, like a snake or something of that nature. But a tortoise is a larger creature. It's not like you're putting it in your pocket. Yeah, it's not like it's going to be able to, like, sneak out the front door or something like that either. So, like actually losing it that is a good question like how how could one lose a tortoise yeah they're not quick wow wow things that i never thought would be asked on this show like 
this is one of them. Like, this is equivalent to Cody joining the WWE after leaving AEW. I never thought this this question. How would one lose a tortoise? And it's a good question. We need answers to this. This is like X-File shit. Like, there's some conspiracy going on here. Did it go in its shell and they, like, threw it like a Frisbee? And it wound up in the attic? Like it broke a window? I'm... I'm dumbfounded that I didn't think about this either before we started recording, but like, yeah, that's crazy. That's a good question. Someone needs to investigate this. Like we need, we need answers. All right. I need answers now. The truth is out there. This family just abandoned their tortoise in the attic. And then we're like, Oh shit. 30 years later, it's still going. Yeah. If you didn't want the tortoise, why didn't you just do it like old yeller and just take them out back? Like, come on. Oh, I mean, that's sad. I mean, you could have, like, given them to a zoo or something like that or some kind of animal sanctuary. Just don't give them to the Tiger King because, you know, you'd be having uh, turtle soup. Sidebar. Did you watch season two of Tiger King? I did. I did watch season two of Tiger King. It got wilder than the first season. Did you watch it? Because we never chatted about it. I did not watch it. I actually, until you just brought up Tiger King, had completely forgotten that it even existed. So I watched, like, season two the day it came out. There was only, like, six episodes. And I watched it all through in, like, one sitting. Because every episode, like, I don't know. They did a good job of, like, the structure of it. And it made you want to see, like, what happened next. Like, it... Yeah, it progressed a lot in season two, and there's a lot of shit going on. It was less about um, Joe Exotic and more about the other people in the world of, like, the tiger sanctuaries and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, it's – there's supposed to be a season three because more stuff is, like, going down. Like, this story is – it's crazy. It's You should – I know you'd enjoy it because you enjoyed the first season. It's – yeah. Yeah, the one dude that uh, remember how the one guy that basically fucked Joe Exotic over, he was working with the other crazy monkey guy, and they were like building this one huge zoo. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that went bad? Like the like oh, monkey goodness. dude. Oh my god, he makes Joe Exotic look like you or me, like compared to sanity. Yeah. Like seriously. You need to watch it. It is that funny. It is that good. It is that crazy that these are real people and they're not making this shit up. You need to watch it. Like ASAP. Now. Right now. Sorry. I was interrupted by a beautiful baby. And so if you hear anything in the background, that's why, folks. Because it's hard to cut out the sounds of Cooper. But I will definitely, Allison and I should definitely watch Tiger King season two. I just, honest to God, it just, there's so much going on and so much stuff comes out all the time that I completely forgot that it even existed. And they even have that TV show where they like uh, made it, like dramatized it. And uh, what's her name from SNL? Yeah, Kay McKinnon is uh, Carol Baskins. I thought about watching it, but the thing is, I watched Tiger King. So it's not going to be anything new. It's going to be everything that they did on that documentary. So it'd be like, it would be different if I never saw the documentary, you know? So like, I just, I don't have any interest in them like doing that or watching that. So 
but like I'm all in for season three of the Netflix series. Oh man, I you know I watched Dancing with the Stars with Allison and such, and Carol Baskins was on there. She was the worst I have seen, and I we've they've had people on there who have had like are like broken backs and could barely walk anymore, and she was worse than that. They have more evidence on her, or like it's not like concrete evidence, but like they've like done more digging and stuff about her husband and like she murdered him. I'm, I'm like almost positive that like she fed him to the tigers. She did. I don't know, but like, or maybe, I don't know. It's really crazy. Cause like they found people like he went to some other country and like, maybe, I don't know. Like she went there like where he was like a couple days before he like went like missing. Like, you have to watch it. It's crazy. That's like one of the best episodes is when they're getting like really deep into that story again. And it's like, it's, it's crazy. Oh, she 100% killed her husband. Like, there's no question about that. Like, Carol Baskins killed her husband. And she crazy. She's, like, crazy as, like, fuck. I mean, right? that's that's the one thing that Joe Exotic had right. She is crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what were we talking about again? Tortoises? Yeah, tortoises. tortoises. The missing tortoise, which makes no sense. I mean, it's a good story, though. Good story. Good story. All right, folks. Well, that's the news. Well, it is now time for hashtag TRT. And because 2022 is the gift that keeps on giving in the pro wrestling world for talking about stuff, this is just kind of going to be a mismatch of just, you know, topical things that are all happening right now in pro wrestling in 2022. So where do you want to start, Diesel? Let's start with uh, Cody Rhodes wrestling with the porn pectoral in a hell in a cell match i i didn't see this match i've only seen uh reviews of it and like people talking about it and stuff like that so like i don't know i know the like all the high spots and stuff like that and i know enough that he was in pain just by looking at him in the like still shots that i've seen but how fucking crazy is it that this man with like I mean, everyone's seen the pictures by now, like how bruised his like pec and his arm was from this torn pectoral muscle. Like how crazy was it that like he actually wrestled in a hell in a cell and like, like let Seth Rollins like target it in the entire match. Like how crazy strong do you have to be to do something like that? Cause there's no fucking way in hell that I could do that. There is not a chance. No, it's like just the pictures alone. And I didn't watch all of Hell in the Cell, but I went back and I did watch this match. It's like 20 some minutes, but it's insane that he wrestled a full 20 some minute WWE style main event in a Hell in a Cell match and didn't wrestle it protected at all. Like, as you said, Seth Rollins was going for the injury. Like he wasn't, it wasn't taped. He didn't have like an extra like flak jacket on that, you know, the wrestlers wear sometimes to try and protect their ribs or anything like that. He just had it full on out. When he took that buckle bomb through that table, like I winced. I winced when he took his jacket off looking at that. 
And the crazy thing is like the YouTube doctors and everything like that, all the doctors who do like YouTube channels have all been analyzing this because it's basically they're like, well, it's already fucked. So you can't do any worse to it. So that's why he got the medical clearance to wrestle with it. But it's a literal muscle torn from the bone. Like that to like vertical suplex or do any moves to freaking Seth Rollins. He had to be in immense pain every single step he took. Like I've broken ribs before. And anytime you hurt anything in your core, your core does everything. That's why it's called your core. Every move you make is connected to it. And my God, the intestinal fortitude of Cody Rhodes to gut out this match, like it says something about him. You don't have to like Cody Rhodes at all, but this is one of those situations where you just have to, you know, tip your cap and go, well, good on you, man. Like, even if you don't like him, this was impressive. I mean, six years ago, Cody Rhodes decided, no pun intended, but 100% pun intended, he decided to go all in. And that meant in every single way possible with his wrestling career. And he changed, like, what kind of wrestler he was. Like, when he was in WWE, he got complacent and still, and he allowed them to let him be stardust, you know, like... That was not a good thing for him. And that, like, literally almost ruined his career. Because even leaving the WWE, like, knowing that was the last thing he did. I mean, he had a name. So, like, there was, like, companies like Impact that wanted him. He wrestled for WCPW and stuff like that. But, like, it wasn't what it is now. He decided when he left WWE, he was going all in. And he's proved it. Like, with everything he's done, he started his own wrestling company to go up against WWE. He set his body on fire for this business just because he loves to wrestle and like all the blood he's bled in AEW and all his like bull rope matches and anything that he's done like it's crazy this man is serious about what he does and if he would not have gone out and wrestled this match Vince McMahon would have looked at him like this is the reason we fired you six years ago like like, even though he would forget the fact that Cody asked for his release, Vince McMahon, like, we fired you. And this is Obviously. the reason we let you go. This is the reason, like, this is what we thought you were, and you just proved it, basically. Like, that's how Vince McMahon is. But since he went out looking the way he did, and he toughed it through not just the regular singles match, a fucking hell in a cell, Vince McMahon's looking at him like a god, and he's probably sitting there saying, yep, you're the one who's thrown in Roman Reigns. Like, it's there's nobody else that's going to do it. You're going to come back. You're going to Royal Rumble, and you're going to lose to The Rock first because rumor has it The Rock's coming back. Like, his uh, first quarter of 2023, it doesn't have anything booked. So, oh, I mean, shit. That, like, that, that only, like, makes you think that uh, it's time for The Rock to come and have his retirement match against Roman Reigns. But I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but like it's, it's it's crazy that this man went out there as injured as he was and did what he did. And, man, he had to, though. Like I said, he didn't have a choice. Yeah, no. It was so impressive for him to wrestle the full match. Like, when all the news stories were coming out that Cody was injured and everything like that, 100% expected, like, them to 
still have the match, but do the classic WWE, like kind of, you know, just dramatize match. Like it's a quick five minute thing. Like something crazy happens and we get like a quick roll up or something. Well, most like, so I didn't watch the show, but most like accounts that I've seen are people throughout the night was thinking it was a work to like add to the story. And then it would have been a way to get around Seth Rollins beating Cody Rhodes and keeping Cody Rhodes still super strong because they didn't want Seth Rollins to lose three matches in a row. I mean, and like by WWE's booking logic, that's exactly something they would do. So like it like worked in their benefit, but not intentionally that this was a real life thing. So like, yeah. And then like, Everything else gets like overshadowed. Like nobody has really talked about much about how Seth Rollins was wearing polka dots. Like it, like it led into this match. Like the further they went down the line after WrestleMania, it got more heavily heated, and Dusty got brought into it even more. And Seth Rollins knows Dusty Rhodes very well because of his FCW and NXT days. And like I just thought, it was Dusty's it chosen was, boy? It was almost. It was yeah, and it was almost not like it was almost as much to mock Cody and Dusty's like embarrassment of having to wear the uh, polka dots. But at the same time, it was just the same amount paying homage to like what he thought of Dusty Rhodes and like the polka dots have become iconic with Dusty Rhodes, even whether he wanted them to or not. And uh, to me, the polka dots are cool because he rocked them. Like, they gave him this shitty gimmick, and instead of complaining about it and being an asshole, he's just like, fine, whatever, I'll do it. Like, it's, I saw, this is a sidebar. Sidebar. I watched, um, it was a Chris Van Vliet uh, interview. I watched clips of it um, with Tyrus, uh, or the former uh, Funkasaurus Brodus Clay, and which brought me back to his theme song, and I told Chad, like, I forgot how much of a banger it was. And it is. And he and listened it is, to an eager. It is a true banger, folks. Look it up uh, if you don't remember it, because I didn't. And the whole reason I started watching this because the clip was like, why are the Funkadors character Funkasaurus character was a punishment? So I'm like, oh, I wanted to see like why it was a punishment. And it wasn't really a punishment. He was just like cracking jokes, and Vince McMahon got wind of it. And they already started the promos of like him being the beast, like Brodus Clay, but Vince McMahon like halted it right away and he wanted him to be this like character and blah, 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 blah. But uh, that's beyond the point. What, uh, I forget what I was getting at now, but it was something about, what were we talking about right before I brought this up? Uh, Dusty Rhodes and just enjoying the gimmick uh-huh. that you have. Yes, yes. So it was, he went to Dusty Rhodes and was basically asking him to like see if he could use any of his pull to like get him out of this. And Dusty Rhodes basically told him, no, he wouldn't do it because he's like, you're one of my guys. So like you're paying for my sins because he was never really liked by Vince McMahon. And like, so he was like, and like, you think that like, I wanted to wear those polka dots. He's like, I didn't. He's like, I had mouths to feed. I had to go out there and I had to take care of my family. And he's like, I did it for every reason besides my personal ego and stuff like that. And he like really put it in to perspective for him. So they went out there and he became the Funkasaurus and actually he got it over. I mean, obviously he was never going to be like a world champion or even like 
you know, kind of an all champion gimmick, but like it worked and it was fun. And when they added uh, Tenzai to it, aka Albert, it was even more fun. So, like, I mean, how did they not think that was going to get over? We love watching a fat man dance. And if he's also funny, like, it, it just adds to it. Like, he was basically our, like, ages, like, next Rikishi. And it was great. I loved the Funkasaurus. It was fun. He did not want to do it, though. According, Like, he is not a dancer. He hates dancing and everything like that. That's why, like, they gave him, like, more, like, uh, free creative to, like, mold his character. That's why he added Naomi and uh, what's her name? I can't remember. It's been so long since she's been in WWE. Yeah, I don't remember her name either. Sorry, bud. Well, anyways, but like they added the Funkadactyls and they made it more of a um, like cheerleader kind of thing instead of like, as you said, it couldn't be like the whole train. It couldn't be like him being like the godfather because you could definitely make connections if you did it the wrong way to him being oh, yeah. a pimp rather than just the fun dancing guy, yeah. you know? So, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Like, like, cause we were just talking about dusty roads and this was a very interesting interview. I've always kind of been a fan of this guy, but like, you know, yeah. He was always fun in the mid card scene, but yeah, uh, back to like dusty roads and the, I loved that Seth Rollins was rocking the polka dots and him. Like Seth Rollins is one of those like guys who, you can hate him for a while. Like, you just get sick of him because he's just so damn good at everything that he does. He just kind of, like, rubs you the wrong way. Just being so damn good and in your face about it all the time. But goddamn, if Seth Rollins just isn't fucking awesome. Like, him coming out, his, like, facial expressions as he came out in those polka dots. Like, and the crowd just eats it the fuck up every time. And then, like... Him wrestling the match, like Seth Rollins has been accused of being unsafe many, many, many times. And like he wrestled Cody Rhodes with a torn pectoral and nothing bad else happened. Like there is a lot of chance for like other injuries to occur with Cody, like trying to compensate for, you know, the torn pectoral on the one side. Like there was a very real chance he could mess his shoulders up, anything like that. So Seth Rollins had to be on his A game as well to help Cody through this match. And once again, the match was good. Like, it was a good WWE Hell in a Cell match. Like, clearly it's not going to be on a top 10 list or anything like that, except for, like, the reasons, like, things in the match. But it was a good match. Like, you can't complain about the match. And Seth Rollins just deserves more credit, I feel like, sometimes. Like, we as the internet wrestling community tend to hate on him i feel like and we shouldn't i feel like sometimes the it's lost on the wwe and their producers that you can get more over in a loss than you can in a win and they forget that and they just fall into patterns of 50 50 booking or like it has to be if you have a like three pay-per-view feud it has to be two to one and stuff like that uh, I really feel like both guys came out stronger after this feud. Like Cody Rhodes, he couldn't have walked in and lost any of these matches to Seth Rollins with what they're like. They want him to be their top babyface. They this is the way they had to do it, and I'm I'm actually 
a little surprised that they actually went through with it, especially against somebody like Seth Rollins, because he is arguably their second biggest star before Cody Rhodes walked in the door. Like Roman Reigns is obviously the top guy, but then Seth Rollins is definitely the next guy, in my opinion. So to have Cody has been gone for six years, started a company to go up against your company. You have him walk in and you just give him the red carpet treatment and he wins three consecutive pay-per-views against Seth Rollins. Like that's a big deal. And also want to make a comparison to like our next news story. Like how much, do you think went into Cody's like decision? I mean, probably not that much, but he's thought about it for sure. How much do you think he thought about like going out there wrestling injured and thinking about the AEW champion CM Punk has to uh, be on the shelf for a little while and they're going to crown an interim champion? Like how much did he like want to stick it to AEW right there? I so I'll answer because I have one last thing I want to say about the Cody Seth thing is I also think this has gone over so well with all of us. Because this is the most, like, real, like, they've brought up basically everything Cody said in AEW about how shitty WWE is. Like, Seth, they even brought up, like, him breaking the throne with the sledgehammer, for God's sakes. Like, it's been so referential and, like, on the nose that it's been, it made it so much better. And it is so shocking that they actually pulled the trigger and went with the full three pay-per-view losses for Seth Rollins. And the fact they did it is just amazing. Now on to CM Punk and Cody thinking about that. You know that Cody is spiteful as hell. And he definitely a little bit in his head is saying a big F you to AEW. Oh yeah, you you didn't want me there. You didn't want to pay me, whatever. Like why Avery left? I know it's they said it was decent terms, whatever. There's gotta be some anger there. And you want to keep CM Punk and crown him as your champion? Oh, and now he's out. Well, look at me. I will fucking wrestle a match with a blown out pectoral and you will be able to see how good I am and how tough I am and what you left behind. Yeah, you could have had this. I lit my ass on fire for you guys. Like, I like, I mean, he did like, he obviously was the originator of AEW. Like, Tony Khan's the money guy, but without Cody Rhodes, you don't have AEW. So, I mean, it's crazy. But like, yeah, definitely... He was definitely smirking to himself about like, yeah, you look at your champion that you paid all this money for and you couldn't like have any of that money for me. The guy who actually like started the company, uh, he wouldn't give me what I wanted. And now look at him. He's on the shelf after all these like comments that Eric Bischoff made about financial flop and like all that stuff, which that's a different story, but like, I mean, it kind of supports Eric Bischoff's fact, but like, or supports his argument after the fact. So, like, I don't think it's a valid argument because he got injured after he made the argument. But still, like, Cody was probably smirking to himself, but as, like, a wrestling fan, an AEW fan, a CM Punk fan, it really sucks because he was, like, so happy on Wednesday night when he came out and had that six-man tag. He jumped into the crowd again. Like, he... Like, in these last, like, six to nine months, however long he's been back, I've never seen CM Punk like this. Like, he is a man that is, like, in love. And, like, we've watched him fall back in love with professional wrestling. And it's 
like that's why it was so sad that double or nothing was so long because we should have been so much happier for this guy because he's the world champion. And then to like, it's almost like Shawn Michaels losing his smile, but real, you know, like him coming out there and having to say, I got to, I got to go away for a while. I got to get surgery. Like he basically had the same injury that I had on my foot. So I know like, there's no way you can wrestle with that injury. Like it's yeah. And quicker healing is to get the surgery done. Like the recovery to not do the surgery is a little bit longer and it's not a guarantee that you're going to be hundred percent and you won't injury won't flare back up. So it sucks, but I do like the approach that they're uh, taking interim road. Like WWE don't do that. They just strip you of the title. I like that AEW does the interim because it's like, it's what they do in boxing or MMA. Like it's like what, like other fighting promotions do it's like what they should do and then you get to build up to who's the real champion that's always sweet especially when they put it up on a ladder or something like that like it's yeah so i'm excited and i'm just like i'll let you do your thoughts on it too but like the real question is like who's going to be the interim champion yeah i mean this whole cm punk thing does suck so much like you feel so bad for him and i don't think cm punk and i think he said it probably has ever enjoyed wrestling this much like i even thinking back to like his early days in like ring of honor and like watching him there and his like wwe days like back in the day even when he was on top it never seemed like he was like having a good time ever in the whole time you've ever watched him and now it's just pure joy every time that he came out there and wrestled and man yeah that rampage promo of him having to say i'm going away for a while it it stung it was it wasn't like the you know this is retirement or anything like that but it does feel like and i know not everyone's a cm punk fan but i do think it's hard not to get wrapped up in how much fun he's having and I thought this title reign was going to be a blast. Like, I thought this might be their first actual, like, good babyface title run. Because I felt like CM Punk was going to go the, you know, open challenge route where he was just going to start facing people left and right and just having fun with it. And that's what the championship, I think, needs. I think it needs some more defenses on there for a babyface. Like, and CM Punk could have elevated it, and now he's hurt. And I do agree, Diesel, the interim is so much better. It makes it feel much more like an actual sport. Like, just relinquishing the belt makes it feel like it is just, oh, this is all work and fake. Which it is, we know. Like, it's planned out. But when you have interim champions, then it's like, yeah, this guy actually won this belt. He battled his way. We can't take it away from him because of injury. Just like you're not supposed to lose your job from injury in real sports. Like, you get to hold on to your belt while you're out, but we're going to crown a new champion. And it's even better sometimes with these like longer recoveries because then this interim champion can get some defenses in there. And then you're right. You build to that perfect storyline champion versus champion. Like, yeah, yeah. You're the interim champion. I was the real champion. I took this first and you're just the, you know, fake imitation of me. It counts on the record books though. But uh, no, it's it does. It works a lot better in so many different ways. And it I don't know, like think about like back in 20, 
15, I think it was, uh, maybe 16, SummerSlam when Finn Balor won the Universal title. First Universal champion, got hurt in the match, was gone for a while. Imagine if they would have, like, put an interim champion, and when Finn Balor came back, he got title shot, and then, like, you could have, like, still slingshotted his momentum through his injury because he's technically the rightful champion. And if he would have won, he could have still been the rightful champion. And his, like, trajectory in WWE probably been a whole lot different than it has been up to this point. So the interim champion is a way better method than definitely just stripping him of the title. It's, yeah, I don't know why WWE never really implemented this. They have on occasion, but, like, not very often. Because... Vince McMahon is very brand new toy and when a toy is broken and he can't play with it, it's not out of sight, out of mind. I feel like he's like, I don't, I don't even want to think about those injured people unless you're, you know, Roman Reigns or Stone Cold Steve Austin or those kind of people. Or Brock Lesnar, like yeah. only around a couple times, holds your title for a year, barely on TV. Yeah. Roman Reigns right now who has both the titles and is gone. Like that's what he likes to do. He likes to take the titles away. So, but so back to like the question I asked at the end, who is going to be the interim champion? That is the million dollar question. And I don't, I feel like, and they did it in ring of honor and it might be the right choice again. I think it's Adam Cole, baby. I think you put the belt on him and then you can do a short stint feud whenever CM Punk comes back uh, for that. And that would be, those promos would just be pure fire. Like, you know that. And then you do probably have CM Punk take out Adam Cole and you rebuild the feud. I feel like, I feel like you have to put it on your hottest baby face right now because it's like, uh, it sucks that this happened. So we got to give you something that's positive and good. And I think right now it should be Wardlow. I think Wardlow should be, I think, I think Wardlow should win the interim AEW world championship. And then like, cause they already had that match on dynamite. So like, that's already like a starting point to like building this feud for the titles and the titles are already there. So like they already have the fire lit if Wardlow wins the belt and you could even have CM Punk be a little heelish. So I don't think, I don't know if you want to turn Wardlow heel yet because he just turned face and like he is their hottest baby face right now for sure. Yeah. That's undeniable. Uh, I think like his reign would be different than uh, Hangman's reign because he's a powerhouse. He's going to like beat the shit out of people and it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, I would go with Wardlow. Hmm. I like that answer a lot. The only reason I don't want to put the title on Wardlow right now is because then you'd have to start feeding Wardlow like some other main event caliber people because Right now, at the spot Wardlow's in, he's such a powerhouse and so, like, hot and unbeatable that, like, like no one can beat him right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, and have him as the interim champion, I just, who are you going to have him go up against? Uh, his first title offense, or offense, defense would be uh, against Miro. 
think about the build to that and that match. Like that would be a great because Miro is. I feel like Miro was going to be uh, CM Punk's first opponent, anyways, just because he just came back and it's somebody that you can't put the title on right now, but he's going to give you a good match and he's believable that he would be top of the card, like fighting for the title. So I think it's even better to put him up against Wardlow. And I mean, it's going to suck because they're going to like basically, it's going to end with the symphony of power bombs, but it's, how they get there is going to be what like whether it's a burial or not and i don't think they'd ever bury miro it's going to be there's going to be some shenanigans because Miro's going to come out strong too but that'd be my first person i put him up against after that i guess i don't know see that's that's the issue that i only issue i really have with get putting the title on wardlow right now like, I think Wardlow, honestly, they should put the TNT title on Wardlow because that would, I think, help restore the prestige. And I know Scorpio just got it. And I'm not saying, like, do this on Dynamite this week or anything. Well, I believe, like, last Monday or last Wednesday when they did Dynamite, the plan was uh, Wardlow's the next TNT champion. He's going to beat... Um, Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio Sky, like, soon, like, in the next couple of weeks, because they got to get the belt off of him. Like, there's a stink in that division right now, and he's part of it. It wasn't his fault. It was poor booking, but, like, he's not a credible champion. Sammy Guevara rubbed his stink onto him, and so you need to, like, uh, redo, like, refresh the whole, like, championship scene, and Wardlow could win that title and win it or hold it for a while. But I just feel like now they have to do a plan B. And I don't know. I don't know. Is there a chance that Moxley could win it again and be the first two-time champion? That was going to be my other thought, that if you have to go with a baby face, as you say, which isn't a bad thought. You're right. Give him something good when something bad happens. It's smart. I think then Mox is your best option. The dude is still over like Rover and the Blackpool Combat Club, like them having the title in there would be a lot of fun, especially going to Blood and Guts. Like maybe you could do something with that. Like Jericho tries to, you know, shenanigans it into that title being on the line there. So you also have the title in your biggest match on that show. And then Mox can face basically anyone uh, the heels, I don't know. like, but I don't know with their Jericho Appreciation Society rivalry. I just feel like you don't want the title in that mix in any way, any form right now. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess we haven't really talked about the biggest elephant in the room, and it's probably going to be this person, and it's going to be Kenny Omega. I mean, because that would be another like, because I mean, if he comes back. Whether he works heel or not, he's going to come across as a baby face. And if he wins the title, I mean, obviously, it'll probably be something dastardly because of Don Callis, Dan Callis. And uh, I don't know, like, because there's been rumors, like, and I know that he's, like, said that he's not going to be there at Forbidden Door. There's been rumors that that's when he's going to make his return. Nobody really knows what's up. Like, no one's really reporting anything, like, whether he's ready to go. But it's been... It's been a while. Like his original, 
like plan was to be back in February and that didn't work out for him. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd be all right if they brought Kenny Omega back and Kenny Omega was a two time AEW champion and Kenny Omega versus CM Punk dream match. That's a really good way to get to that match as well. So like there's a lot of options right now and I don't really see, I mean, there are bad options. Don't get me wrong, but there are a lot of good options out there too. So hopefully they pick the right one, but you know, who will not be the interim champion? Who diesel? Who? It's going to be MJF. Perfect segue. (laughs) Perfect segue into our next news story. And this MJF stuff just keeps on getting nuttier and nuttier and nuttier. Like, so last week when we recorded, it was before the announcement that he was going to be on Dynamite cutting a promo. So we didn't know much, and we still don't, because, like, everything that's happened, I don't know. It's it's crazy. I was on uh, Band from Ringside last week, and Great it was after Dynamite. Great job. Yeah, uh, and it was after Dynamite, so like there was more knowledge out there. It seemed like okay, they they got in a room, they discussed it, and like they came to an agreement, and now they were going to turn this shoot into a work. Which I said is towing a fine line because you can you shot yourself into work, but you can easily work yourself right back into a shoot with like the stuff like you're like you're playing with fire. And so then Dynamite rolls around. Uh, MJF cuts this promo. Uh, the next day, all these reports are coming out saying that he said things that he wasn't supposed to say. Like they even discussed things before the promo of him not to bring up like WWE and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And he really pissed off lot of people and i wonder if the fire me tony at the end was one of those things like i wonder because like that seemed like now knowing what i know about like how he just kind of went out there and just took over the show uh him like the way he said fire me it seemed pretty genuine like he wants out uh and then uh thursday they took his name off the roster on the website, took uh, all his uh, merch off the website. So that was crazy. It's like, but the, and you can be like, oh, they're kind of leaning into this work. But so you're thinking that you, they might be working you because like, that just seems like a logical thing to do. Like after what happened on Dynamite and everything like that. And then you hear that Turner like says you got to take them off of your all your promotional stuff you can't have them on the uh intro or dynamite or rampage you can't like basically you can't even talk about them mjf doesn't even exist anymore and this is coming from like the turner executives so like part of me is like they're working us they're definitely working us because they were in the turner executives were in the crowd last week and like they made you like know they were in the crowd last week but at the same time it's like they're not working i don't know i don't know what's going on but it's so crazy because like i can believe that it's real because of one simple fact and it goes back to our first news story that's cody rhodes and i said it before 
MJF's a Cody Rhodes guy, and he's watching what Cody Rhodes is doing and like how they're treating him and the money they just gave him. And I believe that MJF wants to go to WWE and he wants to be with Cody Rhodes and making the big bucks. And I this is this is probably a shoot. I so watching that promo on Dynamite last week after recording. Him walking out and immediately just doing the cut my music, cut my music. And you, I can't remember whose name he mouthed, but he mouthed whose ever name was actually in the truck. Like, just saying, really cut my music. Like, I don't think he was supposed to cut his music either. Like, the whole thing immediately felt like, oh shit, what's going to happen here? And him cussing out uh, Tony Khan at the end, calling him a fucking Mark, like, that's probably, I want to know the last time an F-bomb was dropped on a Turner network. Like, well, it was Turner... when John Moxley did it, when he made his what? return. Remember he called that guy, he said, shut the fuck up, fat ass, or whatever? Yeah, that's right. And they right. didn't bleep it, because <laughs> they didn't see it coming? Yeah. Like, they had their finger on the button for MJF. Oh yeah, he might even he might have even been approved to drop an F bomb. So that's why I feel like they had their finger on the button waiting for it. But John Moxley, like that, that one caught him by surprise. <laughs> yes, but just the him cussing out Tony Khan and then him them removing him their stuff from the website like that. I was like, yeah, this is definitely still a work because that like that's a very common move. Like anytime someone has a problem with a company, they do that right away. Like, WWE has done that multiple times with multiple different superstars. So that I was like, oh, they're clearly pulling the old work move and we're going to pop this off. But then, yeah, the Turner exec saying you have to remove him from the Dynamite and Rampage openers. Like, if they actually do that and it, like, he doesn't, he's not on TV and they don't talk about him. Like, I, I think you're right, Diesel. This was a work and it was a shoot to start, and then they got it back to a work, and now they, you know, work themselves back into a shoot because this feels really too. It's like too far for it to be like a smart storyline to be playing. Like this, like you're like going too far for it to be just a storyline. It almost feels like you know, like you would have done yeah. a couple of these things, but the Turner exec saying take this guy off of your stuff, don't talk about him, and then if they actually follow through on it then it feels like we're gone too far. Well, another thing that seems realistic too is like he was told to go out there and cut a heel promo and they wanted him just to get booed because uh, he didn't like, like basically put down AEW and put down all the fans that like AEW. He went out there and he, right at the beginning of, his promo, it was exactly how they wanted it. The fans were chanting, shut the fuck up at him. And it didn't stop him. He then, he kept on going and going and going. And by like halfway through his promo, people started cheering. By the end of his promo, every last fan in that building was cheering for him and behind him. Because what he did was he just basically went out there and aired his grievances and what he felt. And every last thing that he said is a hundred percent right. And I agree with him. Like I would be, if I was in his shoes, I would be pissed watching like CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, like 
all these guys walk in and like make more money than I am. But I'm literally the guy who has like held this company together for real. Like if you really look at it, it's been, there's two guys that come to mind that have really been like the glue in this company and it's MJF and Chris Jericho. And like, yeah, it's like, it's sad that they couldn't have fixed this sooner. Um, But with, I think we're really pissed off the Turner executives because they're on Tony Khan's side because it's all corporate stuff. Pisses them off that he's got now this whole fan base behind him and like they don't want to pay him. And it makes Tony Khan look super bad. So Tony Khan's really pissed off. Like MJF is like winning right now. If you look at it, like he is better than them and he knows it. And like that, that whole promo was like a WWE tryout almost like WWE every time he goes out and does something like that, his price tag goes up and they know it and they're willing to pay it. And like, they got this is the, the second time this year too, he's walked out there and just had a whole building just booing the shit out of him. And by the end of the promo, everyone was cheering him like that CM Punk promo where uh, he told his backstory about being a kid growing up and all that stuff. It's like, this guy is probably the best like promo since like the rock like seriously he's he's the best heel promo of our lifetime that's like putting chris jericho in there like mjf is the best heel of our lifetime like since we've been born like if you consider like some guys that were still wrestling after we were born i'm talking about like a guy that started wrestling after the time we've been born i think mjf is the best heel of our lifetime and he's only 26 years fucking old. He's good at wrestling. And to think he was on our podcast before anybody knew who he was. Yeah. We were we were that so much on the pulse back then. And damn, we lost it. Yeah, we we lost the pulse for sure. But we were on it for a second. Like one hot second, we were there. Yeah. But yeah, MJF is absolutely something else. And at this point, yeah, he's just... His check that he's going to get from WWE is astronomical and i think honestly you know probably his frustration stems all the way back to john moxley like think of how john moxley was treated as he came in as champion like and then john moxley went away he had problems and who was still there that whole time mjf just kicking and going going at it hitting grand slams left and right and then john moxley comes back again and another huge storyline for him. They put him in the Blackpool Combat Club with ex-WWE guys, and they become the biggest thing, while MJF is doing amazing things, feuding with everyone and getting every single one of them over. Like, you gotta side with MJF a little bit here, everyone. I don't know how you can't. He has, like, everything he said in that promo was 100% true. Like, I, yeah, some of the words, and, like, he didn't need to be such a dick about Tony Khan, and Tony Khan deserves to run a wrestling company, but you deserve, MJF deserves a lot more in that company than probably anyone else. We talk about pillars, once again, all the time. If other guys are, like, pillars, MJF is the main fucking column that is holding this goddamn thing afloat. Like, he is the biggest pillar at this point of AEW. And if he leaves, like, it's going to say a lot 
about AEW. I I'm not saying AEW is going to fla- uh, fail because of this, but I don't know if it's going to be just the golden land that it's been for everyone. And I think Cody leaving was the cork like exiting the bottle. MJF leaving will be the bottle just shattering. And we could see a lot more just like back and forth kind of things here in WWE to AEW and AEW to WWE. Because I think this is like a huge shot of in this wrestling war that we're currently in if MJF goes to WWE as a just purely AEW guy, never been WWE, says a lot. I mean, it's gonna, it's also gonna heighten everything. Like, it, I think it caught everybody by surprise when Cody left and went to WWE. I think it caught AEW by surprise and caught WWE by surprise. Like, I mean, they knew it was happening. They knew his contract was up, but like, just they thought the same as everybody else. Like, this was never going to be a possibility. So I think by catching everybody by surprise, everyone just kind of, it just happened. Nobody was mad. It didn't really heighten the war. It was just, it's a really fucking weird thing that's happened. But okay, here we go. Let's uh, continue on with both our shows. It kind of seems like WWE kind of needed Cody. So maybe it's a good thing he's over there because what he was doing in AEW was not good because, well, you think about it, Cody was getting booed hardcore for the same character he is in WWE but in WWE he's getting cheered by everybody he is their biggest baby face which is so weird so like I guess he's in the place that he's supposed to be in which is good but is that the same place that MJF should be in I don't know maybe who knows like maybe WWE will like bend a little bit once they get a guy like MJF I mean, because Vince McMahon, you know his crude humor and, like, what he likes. Like, he had the whole Attitude Era. Maybe he's watching, like, maybe he knows about AEW and, like, what they're doing and some of this stuff. And maybe he'll bend a little bit because they're getting sponsors. If they're getting sponsors, how are they doing all this shit? And they're getting all these sponsors and stuff like that. Maybe he thinks to win a war... You got to get dirty <laughs> and it worked one time and you know, like how Vince McMahon likes to go back to the well. I don't know. I'm just saying you bring MJF over. Maybe that's all it's going to take. I just had a wild thought and thinking about this and, and maybe it's the fact that he was just at WrestleMania as well. MJF almost feels a little bit like stone cold where he is an absolute asshole and he's always going to be an absolute asshole but we're slowly turning on it where he can be an absolute asshole but we're still gonna cheer for him in some ways like and that's who stone cold was kind of in the beginning he just was that and it's a totally different kind of like aura don't get me wrong it is you're right it's different because everybody loves mjf but everybody boos mjf because Somehow he has like, like cut like a fissure in time and like somehow has made it for him that it's like back in the eighties, like you boo the heel, whether you like him or not, you boo him. And it's not like that with most heels, like, cause they'll always have their fans that will always cheer him. Whether you, like everybody loves MJF, like MJF's probably like the best wrestler 
in the world right now, putting everything together. He's the and most over. Everybody that's for knows damn sure. that. What? He's the most over. That's for damn sure. Because everyone everybody is talking about it. Everybody's a fan. Even like people that say they aren't fans, they're just being worked, and they're exactly what he says they are. They're stupid marks. And <laughs> sorry if you're one of them that listens to this show, but I mean it's true. I'm not um, sorry. <laughs> But at the same time, I don't know. It, it, it's crazy. I don't know where this is going to go next. Like, logically, if this were a work, it was setting up perfectly for him to beat CM Punk sometime in Chicago for that belt, which would have been a great storyline and a good capper to their great feud. Because it's not over yet. And, like, you know that it's – even though they had three matches – you, you know it's unfinished, and you're okay with them keep going, like, somewhere down the road. And it would have been perfect for him to win his first title after all that stuff they already been through. That would have been amazing. That's not going to happen now, I don't think. <laughs> no. Uh, now uh, I think the feud is over because CM Punk, yeah. and I know, once again, you can never say never in this uh, year of our Lord 2022, but CM Punk is never going back to WWE so if MJF goes there, then now we're never getting the end of this feud, and the feud is over. I think that one is a pretty safe bet, but, I mean, I also said Cody going to WWE, not going to WWE was a pretty safe bet as well. So, yeah, you're right. But, like, I just want to, before we move on to our last, like, topic, I just want to think about, uh, like, AEW since it's, like, become a company and, like, its best moments and how many of them have MJF in it. He yeah. probably has more best moments than any other person in that company because he's always in them. Like my favorite moment is definitely the steak dinner. I don't care what <laughs> anybody says. That Great. is my favorite moment. That was, that was absolutely phenomenal. And MJF can motherfucking sing folks. He can literally do it all. Right. So, I mean, I guess we can move on to our final topic, wrestling topic. All right. Final news story. And this is also kind of, it relates back to us talking about Cody because without the Cody injury, this is definitely not what happens for the WWE because yeah, what happened in WWE diesel? Well, they uh, broke, well, they didn't break them up. They did a double turn. They had Finn Balor attack edge and Damian priest and Rhea Ripley sided with Finn Balor. And now he's the leader of judgment day. But there was uh, another story that came out, or it was on the Russell Talk News this morning, that said there was uh, creative disagreements backstage with Edge and Judgment Day because Vince McMahon wanted to turn this more into a uh, uh, paranormal group. Because you know how he likes to do his spooky things, like spooky anything shit, that yeah. has to do with anything that's dark always has to end up spooky and paranormal and everything like that and edge was like no i did the brood i'm not doing it again and <laughs> so like there, there are reports going around that this is the case but i i like to believe from what i've studied over the years of watching wwe is that uh cody got hurt and their plan b is we need somebody that's a big star to be our top baby face while cody's out 
let's take an old legend that are that everybody loves and let's do it with him when you have a perfectly good baby face Finn Balor and AJ Styles just right there ready to like be used in that kind of way but Nope, I mean, we're going to go with Edge again, even though Edge is a better heel and his faction actually was kind of promising and it just started two months ago. But no, let's let's already change this all. Let's put Finn Balor in there so he can be spooky demon all the time now and really ruin that part of it. It's WWE logic. Like, should just, they should have just pushed Finn Balor finally. They should have just been like, here you go. The fans are always behind you. You're our guy. Let's do it. And then, like, when Cody comes back, you have that other guy for him to go up against. But nope. Let's do Edge. It just to heal that or something, you know? Yeah. It just feels at times like WWE is – I mean, it is, it's ran by a madman. We all know Vince is an absolute insane person. But it feels like he's – like almost an indie booker who is just too in love with his like three guys that he still remembers from the days of when he was, you know, the biggest, baddest guy in the ring or something like that. Because his refusal to just look at the reactions that like AJ Styles gets or Finn Ballard gets, like you didn't need to switch someone else to being a top babyface with Cody out. You just needed to push one of the guys you've already been pushing as a babyface. Like, for fuck's sake, give AJ Styles a break here. AJ Styles hasn't won on a pay-per-view since he was a heel with Omos. And now, now what? Is he going to feud with, like, is he going to team up with Edge to face against Judgment Day? Because I swear to fucking God, if that happens, you know, I am going to be living. No, 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 no. This is another rumor that was on Russell Talk News this morning. Or maybe I read it on Facebook. That might have been it. Might not have been on the Russell Talk News. Um they're the rumor is they're, they want to bring back uh W Morrissey or aka Big Cass and put him with Edge and say that he's Edge's younger brother. And like, if that rumor is true, I can believe that's something that they would do. That shows how little that we both think of WWE that I also agree that that's 100% something that they would try to do. And he's already been in the WWE, you idiots. We know who Big Cass is. Obviously change his name. What do you think his name would be like? I don't know. What's something that's like an edge? Uh, We could call him uh, Cliff Face. Yeah. He's a peak. Call him Cliff Face. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I feel like they would have been way better off. Like they went like way out of their way to do all of this stuff when it was like right in front of their face. Dude. Like, like just yeah, push the guys you already have. Or if you really, really, really wanted to turn somebody face, there's Seth Rollins right there who like basically is at a crossroads. And I know he chose his, path i mean there was no pun intended that was actually just a really good one that was a pretty um, good one though <laughs> i didn't even realize it for a second he chose his path by attacking cody and like now this feud isn't over because like he's gonna have to get squashed again once cody comes back but like you could probably turn seth face if you really wanted to turn somebody and it would have been wouldn't like I wouldn't have had an argument about it. It would have seemed like you were at a good spot to do it. 
but nope, they had to do all this roundabout stuff to get Edge face. And then if they do that storyline with Big Cass as Edge's brother, man, it's like, what about Christian? Does that mean he's Christian's brother too? Like, wow. where are we? Where are we in like uh, kayfabe? Like, did they come out and like finally agree that they weren't brothers anymore? Or like, I don't understand. Like, because they were brothers for a long time. Oh yeah, no, I don't they think were 100% they are. brothers. So I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, we've never really been told how Edge was cured of his vampirism. So I mean, it's not like they really care about kayfabe in the WWE. That that is true. It's. I don't know. I felt like it was promising. Like Edge cut his hair for this gimmick. Okay. And like he's looking damn good, by the way. I always thought that like once he like finally cut his hair and he had the short hair, I always thought he looked a lot better with the short hair. Like, I mean, he looks like a crazy sadistic heel with his long hair, but like in this role in that suit and stuff like that, like his haircut is looking pretty sharp. Unlike or not unlike you, Chad. I almost uh, put you down when I meant to compliment you. Oh, but, thanks, Diesel. <laughs> anyways, I I don't know. I just think that WWE doesn't know their foot from their ass, and like they're always getting their ass or their foot stuck in their ass, and they don't know do like why why is Roman Reigns like I get that he's like needs time off in Hollywood and stuff like that. But why does he have both titles? Why did we have to put both of them on him? Like, why couldn't like the other title still be on Raw? And so you like you at least have, so there was one title match on Hell in a Cell. And it was the women's title match. There was one SmackDown match on Hell in a Cell. Like they their booking right now is just all over the place. And that's saying something for a company where their booking has been all over the place for the last 15 years. So yeah. like I just don't know what like in a way it's entertaining that they're so bad at what they're doing. Like it is entertainment. I'm not going to watch their product, but watching it from afar and like seeing all the stuff they're doing, it's entertaining. And I want a sidebar sidebar and backtrack a little bit. I want to talk about uh, the JAS or the jazz Jericho appreciation society for a hot minute, because how great have they been in the last like two months since they've like been a thing. Like, I know that it's the whole so dumb. It's so great. WWE, I don't get it, but it works. It it works so great, and I don't know. Like the whole them calling uh, the AEW Galaxy and like doing all that stupid stuff is just it's awesome. I love it. Like I don't know. Jericho can get anything over. The entrance package at Double or Nothing, I don't even think we brought it up really, with them doing the WWE like logo screen was like with the then, now, forever kind of thing was the best. Yeah, no, that was pretty good. And I like how, well, I mean, they kind of do it too. Like he's like uh, something of excellence for the past nine weeks. Yeah. Whatever, before the entrance music. But yeah, it's it's good stuff. I'm all for it, and they have them going up against the good faction. And I was really, really, really jacked when they actually let William Regal say blood and guts instead of war games. Yeah. Like, that was the whole reason he came out with <laughs> Eddie Kingston. Uh, and Eddie Kingston. And we all knew I it, too. Really... The minute they came out together, I was like, oh, yeah, it's blood and guts announcement time. 
I I thought last week's episode of Dynamite was top notch from like start to finish. I enjoyed the entire show, but I do want to also credit JCB for something that he said that I didn't really think about until we were recording BFR last week. But where was Thunder Rosa? Like like he said, where was she? Should have got a victory lap. Everybody else got a victory lap. Like that's this is why the women's division isn't very great because like your champion's not even like they don't even push her to be like a great like champion like let's just do a random thing every week with Tony Schiavone and get attacked by Serena Deeb and what's her nuts um yeah and yeah so yeah whatever but back to the judgment day stupid stupid this was just the final little part where we just bitch about a lot of things. Because, yeah, the not using Thunder Rosa and giving her a victory lap. Like, I thought about when I watched Dynamite and then when I listened back to BF uh, Band from Ringside with you guys. I It is the most ridiculous thing ever. As I said last time when we were talking about Thunder Rosa, she needs to be defending that title, like, almost weekly. Like, I want her in a match, like, at least every other Rampage for the title. You need to, like, build this. Like, with Britt Baker, she had a bunch of defenses on Rampage and and on Dynamite, but she didn't need her to because she was already over, like Rover. And as a heel, she should have been avoiding challengers. Thunder Rosa is a fighting babyface champion. She needs to be fighting, not sitting on the sidelines. Yep. 100% agree. All right. Well, those were all of our main news stories, but now we got a few bonus stories just of a little things that we want to talk about. And what are the first one, Diesel? First one is one that when I saw this on Facebook yesterday, it made me giddy like a little schoolgirl. And that is on August 21st, ICW Milwaukee is returning to the best wrestling venue in the history of the universe. And that is the world famous La Pica Lounge number three in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I am jacked. It's been almost three years since they've held a show there. And it's, it's a special show as well. It's the Hall of Fame induction of Marcus Crane, who passed away last year. And maybe it was even this year. Yeah, it was the time i don't know when it was it was a few months back uh yeah it's still sad and like if anybody deserves to be inducted in the icw milwaukee hall of fame it's that dude and um they couldn't have picked a better venue to do it and i can't wait i'm so excited they're back in lapica yeah no day after my birthday diesel texted me about it and i didn't text him back about it because at first i thought he was just fucking with me and then uh, he also texted our good buddy Tom, you know him as High Five Tom, to make sure that we secured our front row tickets because La Pica Lounge in ICW Milwaukee definitely hold a very special place in both Diesel and my heart for being like, I mean, that Thursday 420 show that we went to with Colt Cabana is still one of my best memories. And I remember going there and showing up and looking at it like, this is definitely the wrong spot. There's no way a wrestling show is going to be held in this tiny little bar. But I was wrong. And after the first time of going there, we were hooked. Like we didn't, we missed like very few shows over the course of the next multiple years after that. 
And it was all because of the world famous La Pica Lounge, which we dubbed the world famous La Pica Lounge number three. And it is amazing. And I can't believe it's been that long since they've held a show there. And I can't fucking wait to go back. It is and the best venue. The icing on the cake is Warren Vite will be in action. He he can't miss a La Pica show. He's like all of us that are diehard fans of ICW and of the Lupica Lounge. Like, it's the best place ever. It's his favorite venue to wrestle in. It's it. It shouldn't be a great venue, to, but like, like you just have to experience it for yourself. Like everybody that we've brought that aren't like wrestling fans, like Allison or or Sean or our friend Josh, like that we've brought that don't watch wrestling all leave that like that was fucking awesome like it's it's an experience like and it's an experience you can't explain unless you've like been there and seen it for yourself so it's because we've been to icw outside of la pica lounge because they haven't run their shows there and it's just not the same i mean it's still icw it's still awesome but it's not the same as being in la pica and i just I can't believe it's actually happening. It's another thing of why 2022 has been like one of the greatest wrestling years ever because of just all the news and some of the stuff that's happening. And like, yeah, just, I, it just keeps on coming. And I can't believe that we're actually going to be watching wrestling at La Pica in like two months. I'm getting trash, man. I'm double fisting <laughs> high lives. Like I, I can't fucking wait. I, it is, someone's going to call me a ginger. I'm sure, even though my hair is not red and everyone, I just, I can't wait to see all the ICW faithfuls. Like we have gone to some shows, not as many clearly diesel and I are, you know, new newly fathers and now both married. So our lives are a little more busy than they used to be, but we still, if you're back at La Pica Lounge, I am not missing a fucking show. Like, honest to God, you move it back there full time, I'll be at the shows every month. I can't miss a show at La Pica Lounge. I kick myself for every show that I had to miss for anything. Like, I would literally try and get out of anything if it wasn't direly important to go to La Pica. Like, I didn't care. I was like, oh, it's a birthday party for someone? No, nah, that's cool. I'm going to wrestling. So I'll see you later. I'll wish you a happy birthday tomorrow. Yeah, there's just some magic about that place. And like like they pack you in there like sardines, but like it doesn't matter. And summertime it gets really hot. It still doesn't matter. It's just like it's a good time every single time. And I'm so excited that we get to experience it at least one more time. And like I don't want it to be the last time, but I'm probably gonna go into it looking like it might be the last time. Because the actual last time we didn't even have any idea because it was before the world shut down. And once the world shut down is when they stopped running shows there. So like, we don't know if they'll ever have another show there. So I'm going to look at it like this could be the last time and I'm going to make everything of it. I want to make it all count. I can't wait. I really hope they haven't painted that wall and that tropical scene is still on the sidewall right. by the broken I light. Agree. I a hundred percent agree with you there. And I still remember when Silas broke the light from beating on the wall. Still the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Nice. Just looking at it and going like, fuck. We interviewed Silas there. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's at, it if you want to see what the world famous La Pica Lounge looks like, we actually have it on YouTube for you to view. And there's a bunch of matches from ICW that people have posted along, like from the years. And yeah, 
you can see what it's like. It's a it's an awesome venue. Yeah, and that's technically where High Five Tom found out about us. So you know, that's that's our origin story with High Five Tom. Yeah. Is we like it's weird. Like I believe in fate with a lot of things like with how I believe that it was fate for me to end up with Emily. I believe it was fate that Tom was meant to be our friend because think about it. We just nearly crossed paths with him at ring of honor in 2017. His first ICW Milwaukee show was the 420 classic, the same as ours. You know, I remember like, I pointing like, out the guy in the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. I didn't go I say hi I to him, like, but I remember going, that dude's wearing a fucking Hawaiian shirt. I believe in fate and I believe that like Tom was meant to be a part of our crew and like, and I'm glad that he is because think about how much better our wrestling lives are because of Tom, like all the people that we know because of Tom or all the relationships that he's furthered for people that we know, because like he we're associated with him. Like Tom is like the best wrestling friend that I've ever had. No offense. You're like my best like actual life friend, but when it comes to wrestling friend, Tom kind of edged you out there. So sorry. I, but... I completely respect that and understand. I have no qualms with it at all. Like Tom Tom's is the, the best man, and like Tom gets a lot of credit for being as awesome as he is, but he never gets enough credit, and he'll never accept that credit. But Tom, I know you're listening right now. You're the man, and we appreciate you, buddy. And we can't wait for two weeks when we're going to go and we're going to record a podcast with you uh, talking about that Ring of Honor show and Dynamite and Maters. Can't forget about Maters. We didn't get to go with to Maters last time. So we get the Tom's Maters experience this time. Yeah. Just don't lose the cat, Tom. Just don't lose the cat. Love you, Tom. You are literally the best of us. All right. Final bonus news story, Diesel. I just kind of want to, speaking of victory laps, I just want to victory lap myself from uh, our picks on Band from Ringside last week. I was the only one that picked uh, Takahashi to win the best of the Super Juniors, and I probably was the least qualified to make a pick. And But I knew – I. I talked myself out of it. I was originally going to go with Desperado and I talked myself out of it and I was correct. And that match was a banger. It was a very good match to end a very good best of the super juniors. And I'm excited for dominion this weekend. And I just basically wanted to have like a quick little new Japan chat and before we head on out because we haven't really had we used to be more new japan heavy we haven't really talked about new japan in a while yeah on that note this is the time of year where chad gets his ass back into new japan every single time right about now it's dominion time so i am very excited because yeah i've been you know catching matches here and there i watched a bit of the new japan cup and i've caught you know some of the great matches that we've had but I haven't been, you know, locked in on New Japan so much lately. But now it's Dominion. And right after Dominion, it means it's G1 time, which is basically the greatest wrestling time of the year every year because so many match of the year contenders come out of it. And it's always just 
so much intrigue in it. Even when Chalk is who ends up in the finals for the G1, you still, they find a way to make it seem like it's not going to be that. And they do it in such a roundabout, awesome way with it just being pure wrestling and not like storyline related generally. It's just amazing. So yeah, I am 100% excited to watch Dominion this weekend. I really want to see Jay White beat Okada, even though I 100% know it's not going to happen. But once again, What's 100% in the wrestling world this year means nothing. So, could happen. You know what the coolest thing about New Japan in 2022 is? English commentary throughout the entire G1, just like throughout the entire Best of the Super Juniors. Like, and like, I, I've watched like tournament matches in the past when it was Japanese commentary and stuff like that. And like, it's okay. I don't prefer it because sometimes I get lost and I need to be brought back in by Kevin Kelly. Like seriously, sometimes I'll get distracted by something. I'll like look at my phone. I'll be on Facebook or something. And then Kevin Kelly will bring me back in. Like if I don't know what the Japanese announcers are saying, I don't know if it's like, it doesn't really bring me back in like it does. So I, yeah, I, Plus, Kevin Kelly is an awesome announcer, even when he's just by himself. He's great, and he has his little conversations that he has with himself. It's just it's, it's good stuff. He's a great announcer. But uh, English commentary throughout is one of my favorite things about 2022. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong since they, you know, the pandemic almost. It felt like the pandemic almost killed New Japan, for sure. It was Rough times in New Japan, but it finally feels like New Japan is really picking steam back up with, you know, everyone, all the gajins being able to come back in from other countries and all of these like great matchups that we can once again have. And with Forbidden Door coming up here at the end of June, I mean, it feels like New Japan is just ramping up for this summer and then this G1 could be one of the best ever. Like we don't even have everyone who's going to be in the G1 yet but I am so excited to see who it's going to be. I mean, if this like partnership with AEW is like full on, we could get some AEW guys in the G1 who've never been in it. Like we could have so many cool dream matchups that we've never had before. And that there's their partnership with Impact as well. So like they had Ace Austin and Wheeler Yuta in the best of the Super Juniors. They had one from each company. So that... And yeah, I don't know who's all going to be in it, but like it's going to be awesome no matter what because it's the G1 and it always is. And I'm very, very excited for the G1 and I'm going to do my very best to keep up with it like every night that they have the matches because like once you start getting behind, it starts getting overwhelming and it's like, oh, geez. So oh, geez. I'm going to try to do my best to keep up with it so I don't stay overwhelmed and Yep, that's my plan as well, because that's what happened with the battle of best of the super juniors. I always say battle. I can't help it. Best of the super juniors is I fully planned on watching it, but then I forgot when it actually started. So then I was already like three days behind to begin. And then it felt like just like climbing a mountain. And then, you know, watching everything else and having a new baby in the house, things fall by the wayside. But damn it, I'm going to make sure that I am on top of it for the G1 this year, because I cannot fucking wait like i just can't wait to see what all and who all is going to be in it and also new japan's roster is just absolutely stacked right now so many guys are like entering the prime of their careers and are so fucking good right now like it's 
mind-boggling right now how good New Japan could be, and I cannot wait to see who is in the G1 this year. All right. I think that's all we have for Top Rope Topics this week, a.k.a. hashtag TRT. So let's hit that final sound effect so we can get on out of here for the week. All right, Diesel, as always and forever, that sound effect means it is time for final thoughts. So what you got for me this week, buddy? Well, we're like well into June now, so it's not summer on the calendar, but it's technically summertime. So it seems like every weekend, like through August, I have stuff planned, at least for at least one day of the weekend. This is crazy. Like my life never used to be that way, but I kind of like it. I kind of like having it like scheduled and more organized like that. And I mean, it can screw me in the long run. Like I'm not going to uh, forbidden door because I already had to go to a wedding, but I probably would have had to go to that wedding regardless whether it was planned or not. So anyways, so this weekend we are, we have a graduation party. We have to go to a nuclearist. And it's also Emily's mom's birthday on Saturday. So after the graduation party, we're going to take her out to dinner, but we haven't uh, decided where yet. I'm I'm guessing it's my choice because I got to pay for it. So yay me. Uh, I'll try to find find something probably in the nuclear Janesville area, just because by the time we get done with the graduation party, it'll be like dinner time. If we drive back into Madison, then it's going to be like places are going to be packed. So yeah. let's see. She says she wants steak, which I mean, I do like steak, but steak costs money. <laughs> it does. Steak uh, definitely costs money. Uh, and then Sunday, uh, let's go to Emily's dad's for a belated birthday celebration for Emily and an early celebration for Father's Day. So I don't know what that's going to entail. I'm guessing, uh, Usually, if we do, like, something on a Saturday afternoon, it's usually, like, make your own sandwiches and, like, stuff like that and, like, potato salad and something, chips. I mean, like, that's a good lunch for me. I like that kind of stuff. So, Hell yeah. I usually look forward. Like, I always, like, I have a problem with food. I mean, obviously, because, yeah, me. But, like, I always look, when I look towards the events, like, if I need to find something positive, like what are they serving for food? If it's something good, it's like, well, it's not going to be all bad. I'm going to get that ham sandwich. <laughs> I get that ham sandwich that I really want. Yeah. And I find out that pastrami, I'm like, ooh, even better. Ooh, shit. Pastrami? Oh, I love pastrami. I 100%. I love a good sandwich and a cold salad. Like, those are delicious things. It's very Wisconsin-ish. Midwestern, oh, yeah, if you will. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we grilled out some brats either because it's that time of year. And like, yeah, it is that time of year. That's really all I got going on like this weekend. And I don't know. I, I'm I'm waiting to see what new stories we have to talk about next week, because this last week, a lot of shit has happened. And the week before that, a lot of shit happened. But this week, it seemed like even more happened. And this is perfect for Bray Wyatt, if you think about it. So now he's just kind of like, he's just buried in all of this now. And when he does yeah. appear, it's going to be like good because he's come back. 
it's gonna be fucking wild wherever and whenever Bray Wyatt appears. Yeah, because we didn't even talk about Bray Wyatt uh, this week at all. And you know that's just like the like shark out in the deep end of the water, just waiting for its moment to attack. But yeah, for uh, my final thoughts this week, um, my wonderful wife leaves for a business trip on Saturday for New Orleans. And so I'm once again, single dad Chad for five days. So that's going to be fun. Uh, my yeah, brother like is that. one. Single dad Chad. Yeah. It, ro- it rolls off the tongue. But uh, my brother's going to stop over for a day or two, help me out. Uh, my mom's going to do a little babysitting. So don't worry, folks. You don't need to worry about me. Me and the Cooper, she will be fine. I will be okay. I don't know if I'll be fine, but I'll be okay at least. But yeah, besides that, I don't really have a ton going on because it's obvious, you know, taking care of a two-month-old by yourself takes a lot of work. You know, still got to go to work. So, you know, I don't got a lot going on. So, Diesel, social media stuff so we can get on out of here. You can follow me on Twitter at Diesel underscore VFTR. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad's underscore mind or at VFTR2PO. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram by searching View From The Top Rope Official. You can search us on YouTube and watch that Silas Young interview as mentioned earlier in the episode by searching View From The Top Rope. You can send your emails to viewfromthetoprope at gmail.com. Like, do you even ever check that email address? Oh yeah, all the time. Do we get stuff in there? Uh, every once in a while. Like, I never hear about it. But uh, it's clearly nothing important enough for me to tell you about. Okay, well, if there ever is, let me know. I will. You can follow Visionaries Global Media on Twitter at VizGlobalMedia. VisionariesGlobalMedia at gmail.com is where you can make or send your podcast in about grilled cheese and we'll make you podcasting stars by putting you on such platforms such as Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud. The SoundCloud one, and then <laughs> Pod Knife and Pot of and just so so many others you started that so strong like you had a nice little new opening to it and it like felt so natural and then you just fell the fuck apart that's why i usually keep it the same because like now it's to the point where it's just like muscle memory and like usually it'll like roll off whenever i switch it up like i couldn't remember a single one of our podcasting platforms i wanted to start out with friendster which is like not a podcasting platform it's an old social media platform from like 20 years ago yeah definitely we're not we're not on friendster Uh, we're on a lot of things but not friendster i'm I'm sorry for those five people still using the friendster app you can't i'm pretty sure they like just like took that off the internet who knows but yes, so many other podcasting platforms you can find us on. Just type in BFTR 2.0 or Visionaries we, Global Media. We need to get a MySpace just so I can say every week we're on MySpace. Is MySpace still around? It. Yeah, it's it's owned by Justin Timberlake. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll get us started on MySpace for sure. Just, just so we can promote being on MySpace. Maybe we'll bring it back. Ooh, there we go. That's, sidebar. Sidebar. Why did MySpace die when it was definitely cooler than Facebook? Like, you basically made your own page. You had music on there. It was more personalized to the user. 
And then well, because Facebook, Facebook got the college kids. Like, don't you remember you used to have, to have a college email to sign up for Facebook? I do remember that. But so it made then, it cooler. Yeah, but it died after, like, they let everybody in. It Obviously. Just, but, but, but it already killed MySpace cooler. by then. MySpace is cooler. Like, there's a whole, like, we're in that, like, that gap where, like, we were MySpacers, you know? Like, we were in our prime, like, teenage years when MySpace was a thing. And Dude, like, the top eight. You didn't, if you fell out of someone's top eight, it was, it was newsworthy. You got on AIM immediately and sent them a message. The fuck? Why am I not in your top that's eight? not around anymore. But yeah, I'm excited for you to make a MySpace because I'll probably promote that we're on MySpace. We're bringing that bitch back. Yeah. All right. Uh, check back next week to see if Chad actually followed through on making a MySpace. Otherwise, though, as always, we thank you so very much for listening to this madness that we call a podcast. Hopefully we have gotten you through that boring work day, that workout that we're so proud of you for finishing or whatever else you happen to be doing while you were listening to this podcast. As always, I have been Chad. He has been Diesel. Please be kind to each other out there. We're all just humans trying to survive on this spinning blue orb that we call Earth. There's no reason to be a dick about it. But always remember to climb up high and enjoy VFTR 2.0.